the glimmer of hope for us is I believe there are a growing number of people mm-hmm. who are interested in good food. I agree. And the growing number of people that are interested in good food generally have an understanding that good food is not cheap and it's probably not going to come from the large container stores. Agree. Good food. Right. Hey, y'all. Put on your boots, grab your headphones, and let's get a little muddy. As we build a community rooted in the love of dirt roads, whether dust or mud. Welcome to the Dust or Mud Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Dust or Mud Podcast. I'm Shelly McCormick. I'm Rich. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Here we are again. Yeah. Yeah. Been a good week. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Nice weather today. Oh, man, the weather's beautiful. It finally cooled off. We had a little bit of a rain shower between the hot and the cooler weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grass loved that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a whole lot of rain, but enough to give the grass a bit of a drink. But, man, does it feel better. Mm. This morning it was in the 50s. I know. That was so good. I'm not ready for cold, but I'm ready for a break. Yeah. Big time. Felt really nice. Yeah, it did. I think all week it's going to be like that. So I'll enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. 105 is not fun. No, okay. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not to any, not to anybody, especially not the animals. No. Yeah. So what's going on? Well, recap from last week. Yeah. Last week we talked about poultry. Yeah, the chickens. Actually, our chickens. Speaking of chickens, some of our, um, the ones in the brooder, the beef chickens that are four weeks old almost this week. Yep. They're ready to go. Yeah, they're ready to go out on Outside, the pasture. Yeah. They're nice and toughened up. They haven't had any heat in a while. So they're able to withstand the cold. Yeah. If it does get down at night, so we can get them out on pasture eating some grass. Yeah, that's right. Living outside. Yep. So if you missed last week, we talked about all of our different poultry. Yeah. Um, and then potentially things that we might do a little bit different next year. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I think we got the most comments on the current event. Nobody really cared about the poultry, it didn't seem like. But everybody did care a bit about... Our uh, fat military. Obesity (laughs) in the military is according to a a body mass index perspective. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that was a good one. Yeah. It's always interesting to see what you're going to bring to the table with our current events. Yeah. You ready for today? Yeah. Not time yet. Oh, not yet. That's a fun one, though. I like that part. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, how about a farm update? Okay. So we just talked about the beef chicks Mm -hmm. are getting ready to move out onto pasture. Yeah. Um, Probably biggest thing on the farm is we took another steer to the processor on Monday. Yeah. So we're about three weeks out from having steaks again in the freezer for sale. Yeah. Um, More burgers. Yeah, lots more burgers. This one was a bit bigger, so we were able to get some roasts and short ribs and different cuts out of this one. So Mm -hmm. uh, excited to be able to offer that to folks again here in about three weeks. Yeah. Bigger steaks this time. This guy was bigger, so the cuts are going to be bigger. That's right. I think that's how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does. Good. And what what, tomorrow we're going to start bringing in the winter hay? Yeah. uh, Hay is expensive. Boy, howdy. Fertilizer prices went up. I mean, it, it, not blaming the hay folks. It just is ex- no. is expensive this year. So yeah. um, happy to be able to secure uh, hay that we need to get us through the winter. Local. Uh, local. Rather local. Which is, yeah, which is cool. Um, 
the, our animals. We've been training them for two years now to survive on our grass, and we imported some hay last year, supposed to be really high quality, good hay. And the cows liked it okay. The sheep didn't like it at all. And mm -mm. we had paid quite a bit of money to get this good hay for the sheep, and mm. they didn't really like it. So no, they didn't. we're excited to get um, just some local hay. That, yeah. that's, I think it's going to do the animals really well, get us through the winter. But it'll take you a couple of days to haul it in because our trailer doesn't carry. Yeah, we're able to a carry lot. 10, 10 of the big round bales. Yeah. And um, we're going to pick up 100 bales. So mm. it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us a while. Yeah, um, Dad may be able to haul some of it, uh, borrow a trailer, and and haul some as well. So that'll be super helpful. Yeah, somewhere, you know. Yeah, at least ten trips, maybe down to six or so. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, when you're driving forty five minutes, and then it takes how long does it take to put them on there? Uh, Last time, it um, it takes probably fifteen twenty minutes to get them on, and yeah. then another fifteen or twenty minutes to get everything strapped down. So um, you're probably looking at almost two hours round trip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's better. Last year we drove all the way to Springfield yeah. to get them. So that was just drive time was an hour and 15 minutes yeah. each way, at, plus all of that other time. So uh, I think it's going to work out a little better for us this year. Yeah. Um, I may do it a little different when I get here. Last year I carefully stacked each bale um, as I was unloading it. Mm -hmm. This year I may just sort of toss it off. Um, and go. And go. And, and sort later. And then and then stack stack it carefully on top of pallets. We put it on top of pallets to keep it off of the ground so it doesn't rot. And that, works really, real, that worked yeah, really good. Some really heavy-duty pallets. Mm, so yeah. we'll, we'll probably just throw the bales off of the trailer uh, as soon as we get here and get them all moved here Yeah. and then line up the pallets and and take the time to stack it carefully. And you won't be by yourself. We were off on vacation last year having sure. fun on the beach. And you yeah, just... that's true. Had to get after it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did feel bad a little bit. <laughs> no, you didn't. I know better. Uh, and then our once a day milking oh. is still being really, really good. Yeah. I, I know um, we were a bit concerned with it, with how uh, the cows were going to transition. Um, we were concerned with: Are we going to be dealing with mastitis or not? Right. Are they, uh, you know, are they going to freak out? They seem to have relaxed. If you remember, we cut their food back um, as we were right starting we this transition. Mm -hmm. We were able to bump their feet up just a little bit slowly now to where mm -hmm. um, we're getting about two-thirds of what we were getting before, which is about what we expected. We expected the production to drop somewhere 20 to 30 percent, and, and that's what it has done. So it dropped about 50% initially, which is good as we were uh, transitioning their bodies. Mm -hmm. And then we've slowly been able to, to build it back up. So, so in easy numbers, we're bringing in right at for a little bit over four gallons a day, a day in the mornings instead of six. Yeah. Which is plenty Yeah, for what, you know, for the amount of customers that we have. The only reason we have milk customers in the first place is because we have too much milk and other people want it. Yeah, so, so it, it, like right before right before we switched them to once a day milking, we also weaned the lambs that were drinking two gallons a day. So, so now that we had a, an absolute like, abundance. Yeah, net in our refrigerator, it really hasn't changed because the lambs were drinking two gallons a day. Mm -hmm. Now we're bringing in two gallons a day less, yeah. and the lambs aren't drinking any. So, so we're able to make lots of yogurt, lots of cheeses, um, sell some to wanting customers yeah. and in the event that we have just way too much we ought, we do have pigs and we can give them extra treat 
Yeah, and the milk. They don't like milk at all. Oh, the milk is really good. <laughs> it's so good uh, for them. We have an episode planned in the future where yeah. we'll go through the, the benefits of A2A2 mm-hmm. uh, milk and, and some of the properties of that. And They love the whey from the cheese. Oh, yeah, oh, the pigs man. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the milk is a, a huge additive to the farm. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. But a huge thing to only milk once a day to get our evenings back having the kids do some of our evening chores so that, you know, come, you know, four or five o'clock in the evening, we're kind of done. Well, we can focus on dinner, cooking, I don't know, cooking food, eating for ourselves. So often we found ourselves not eating very good food because we were so busy and kind of lost sight and focus of the real reason we're doing it, which is good food for us. And we're, you know, eating cheese and pork rinds because we're busy. Right. Take care of everybody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Refocus. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we're trying, we're working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, we live in the Ozarks. We do. In the southwestern portion of Missouri. Ozark which County. Yeah. Which we've discussed before. Um, the Ozarks. Let's get into some of the uniqueness about the Ozarks, um, the people, the landscape, uh, and what it has, what it has meant to us, how it has changed us positively. I don't know that there's a negatively. I I can't think of one offhand. No, I might come up with one. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to it in conversation. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, and just the aspects of the, the way of life here and how it has how is it? How it has affected us, and how we have assimilated into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, as I mentioned, we are in Ozark County, mm-hmm. in Missouri. Yeah. It's it's one of the least populated counties. Um, I what is it? Just over eighty six hundred people in the entire county. In the whole county. Yeah, with seven hundred forty five square miles of of space in the county. Mm-hmm. So that gives us a population density of 11 and a half people per square mile. Per square mile. So if in the event that a person was looking for, I don't know, neighbors that are really far away, <laughs> this is a pretty good county to be in. Yeah, it is. <laughs> There's a true. lot of cows and a lot of land, but very minimal people. Yeah, over half of the county is farmland. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I I'm... I really have come to in, enjoy the county. We didn't know exactly what we were getting into when we found this piece of property. No but idea. The more we, the more we learned, and the more we researched it, the, the more excited we got about it. For one thing, this is a third class or class three class, county. Class three county, and we didn't know what that meant. Yeah. When so, we when we first sort of bought it. Yeah. So we we went to. Um, this property, no one had ever lived here before. It was the backside of, of a, a, a different farm that got split up. And um, so since no one had ever lived here, there was no address. And so we went to the, the courthouse in Ozark County to get our address. Well, one of the things as we were talking to the county clerk we were interested in was who we needed to coordinate with in order to get our building permits. And we were wanting to get things going uh, for the for the house, and so I I asked the lady um, if who, who I needed to talk to to get the the permits, and she sort of 
smiled a bit and said, you need permission to, to build your house? Build your house? And I said, well, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she said, well, you, you have, have permission. permission. <laughs> and uh, that was it. There are no building codes. You don't have to ask for permission yeah. to build on your land in this particular square of the country. Yeah, in, in this county, um, the way the class three counties work is unless the people vote in codes and regulations, there aren't any. Right. And in, in Ozark County, none have been voted in. Mm -hmm. So we don't have building codes. We don't have building inspectors. We don't, we don't have any of that. Um, mm -hmm. No real no land use codes. I, I mean, so um, we picked the spot that we wanted the house and we drew the house on a sheet of paper and <laughs> it was a big piece of paper yeah i did use a ruler right <laughs> you know you did a really I, good job i tried drawing. to scale it you know with like inches you know i did i tried yeah. hey it was good enough that the sink and the window matched up that's true <laughs> <laughs> and i at the kitchen sink and that probably was the one you know, you really want that to work out. You do. You know, you, everything else you can kind of fudge with furniture and fixtures. Yeah. The sink and the window, it's kind of a big deal. Because if that's off, man, we're kind of picky. And you got to live with that for the next, I don't know, ever. Right. With your sink. <laughs> that, that would be bad. Yeah. But it worked out. It did. Yeah. Without anybody telling us how to do it, what to do, or where to do it. Yeah. So we yeah. did our own plumbing. We did our own electric. Yep. Um, we did it all to a national building code because we wanted it to be that. We way. understand that there's reasons for those codes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but no one was coming behind us no. and, and checking. Up we didn't have to wait on an inspector. No, we didn't have to pay for permits. Right. So the, the which actually made us be able to get through things faster. Yeah, and and so I don't know. It rather quickly, I would say our introduction to Ozark County was almost a slap in the face with freedom. Yeah, it was like, you know, hey, look, like, we can just do what we want to. Smack wow. freedom. From it, Maryland, which is not like that, that, not like that. No. No. No, no it, it's not. Yeah. And, and so it was definitely a wake-up call for us. So, yeah. it, you know, our our transition to the Ozarks, to Ozark County specifically, yeah. was uh, eye-opening and wow free. Yeah, very freeing. Uh, super great um, county, state for school choice freedom. Um, really easy. Gracious, we're having... Wow, that was weird. Electrical surge. I guess. There we go. <laughs> we went to blue light and white light. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, homeschooling, super easy here. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to report it. You don't have to ask. Um, they... Really, I mean, I guess if I think the only way that they would come and see what you're doing is if someone else kind of sort of turned you in and said, I don't think they are. And then they'd have to prove that you're not. Right. You know, homeschooling is a it's a big deal being yeah. able to have the freedom to do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, with I mean, in we believe that our children's education is our responsibility. Absolutely. And, um, when the when the laws get in the way of that, it, it's incongruent. Yeah. And so here, um, it's very comfortable. Yeah. That the laws allow for us to um, be in control of of education. Yeah. 
which kind of brings, you know, free Missouri is something that you have sort of, I don't know, coined through your blog. And um, the concept of we learned was already there, but we learned about genuine Midwest knives and what that means living here and truly experiencing it firsthand coming from the East Coast. So tell me about some Midwest nice. Well, yeah, we, we were we were talking to some of our friends and saying, you know, everybody here is really nice. Yeah. Like everybody. Everybody. And it was it, it was a stark difference coming from the East Coast from a, you know, we're in the DC area, so big city East Coast where everybody is busy. Um they may some, be nice people yes, somewhere. Some people are probably not nice, but everybody yeah. is busy. They're so busy. And so it, it just, there's a, a feeling of um, almost like you're intruding. Yeah. It, anytime you're interacting you're in their way. with someone, the interaction is normally that you're in their way. Yeah. And, and they're probably in yours. Yeah, probably. Because you're in a hurry, you're in a hurry. just like everybody yeah. else is. It, the not, traffic has already made you late, and yeah. you're in a hurry, and the meeting is going to start, and everybody's got a meeting to go to, and they're very important. Whether they are or not, <laughs> in that in that area, in that area, a lot of the, them are. it's probably true. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And so there's, um, it, it was just a stark difference. Yeah. when we got here, and that's everybody from yeah the the cashier at whatever store you're going to to the the bank setting up a, a bank account for the for the farm. Yeah, uh, the accountant. I mean, like everybody. It didn't matter. Yeah, the the people at the feed store, mm-hmm. it, it really didn't matter. And it, it, we were probably two weeks into this when finally we were just like, I, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like everybody is nice. They're and so then nice. our, our good friends were like, well, yeah, haven't you ever heard of Midwest, Midwest nice? nice? We're like, nope. Not really. <laughs> we're East coasters and from Florida, but we have learned, oh my goodness. Um, about the kindness, you know, in this community and the willingness of everyone to genuinely look after one another. Yeah. I I think, you know, it, it it is, um, there's an intrusion into the middle of the nation from the, from the coasts. There is. And so the people. Is it an intrusion or an exodus? Both. Uh It depends on whose perspective Uh you're you're looking at it from. Yeah. from, well, the people that are here, you're right, feel like it's an intrusion. Yeah, They're being so intruded upon. As we were, as we were um, you know, in, introducing ourselves and, and becoming a part of the community, yeah. there's, there's a, a hesitation there from the folks. And I don't, I don't know that it's a wrong hesitation. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. So, um, you know, from their perspective, I believe there's, there's an intrusion from the coasts to their their spot on the globe and an intrusion into their way of life and um, people, you know, their, their concern is that people are going to bring that busy, rude, um, you know, coastal mentality, city mentality, mentality, you know, the thing that they're trying to get rid, get out of that they might bring it with them and put that onto the, this community. Yeah. And, and so, want to change it. Right. And so we were, I mean, we were met sometimes with some actual 
resistance from folks, you know, uh, oh. Oh, you're, oh, you're oh, new, aren't you? You're new. Where you don't you, necessarily where you, look new. But. Where are you coming from? Oh. Yeah. Oh. You know, as we would say from D.C., we, we quickly learned to say we're coming from the Air Force. Yeah, we're coming from so, 25 years in the military. And they go, oh, okay. Well, thank you. And Yeah, and... So they, t- they, you know, they respect the military. We can pretty quickly say we grew up in a very small town in central Florida, south central Florida. Yep. We spent 25 years in the military mm-hmm. living all over the world. We could have retired to any spot on the globe, and we chose this spot because you are the way that you are. It is the way and that it is. We yeah. want we want that. That's where we want to spend our life. That's the life we want to have for ourselves. We want to join you in what yeah. you have, not try to change it. We, we knew, like, we were surprised by the level of freedom. We knew that it was free. Yeah. But we were surprised by how free. We right. knew that people were nice, mm-hmm. but we were surprised by how nice. So, like, the, the entire thing didn't, it wasn't shocking to us. No. It Just the magnitude, I think, was probably the biggest thing for us was... Yeah. Not only are they nice, they're really nice. And yeah. Not only are they nice, but everybody is nice. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's I, true. I, I believe that that was probably the the thing that was shocking to us was was just the the level of of nice and the level of freedom was beyond what we were expecting. Yeah, I think that when we were discussing this, stark contrast was one of the, you know, how we described, you know, the difference between being on the East Coast, or it really, honestly, just in the D.C. area to here. I mean, it, it's 180 yeah. out yeah. in everything. Yeah. And a, a piece of that is um, people understand, I believe that they really understand personal freedoms and they really respect personal freedoms. And um, initially I was saying, describing it as a, you you take care of your business, I'll take care of mine. But it, it really isn't that. It, it's a, um, I am I am very concerned with you and your well-being. Yeah. But I am, I do not want to be in your business. No, they're going to infringe on your whatever it is that you have no. going. But every time we have a storm, yeah, our, our neighbors call to check up on us. Oh, every time. Like if there's one coming or especially if, if we've all lost power, yeah. you know, are y'all okay? Do you need something? Do you need water? Most of us are on a well. Do you have a generator? Do you have enough fuel for the generator? Right. You know, I thought our neighbor was going to have to come get water from us because we did have the well hooked to the generator right. and his cows needed water. Right. And so I, I think rather quickly we fell right into that. Yeah, you know that that family, that neighborly family feel to the entire um, community here, yeah. right, especially right around us. Mm-hmm. Like it, it didn't take long at all for us to fall into that, take care of each other, nurture each other, right. care for each other. Again, stark contrast from living in a neighborhood in Maryland, where we had our long, you know, long term, long time friends. Yeah. But outside of that, there were people there that know anybody really lived within what, twenty <laughs> feet, thirty feet that you didn't that know. We had no idea who they were. And here, you may be a mile away, but you're still a close neighbor. Oh yeah, that's a neighbor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, um, and you know, a lot of people 
a lot of people farm here. We're not the only farmers in Missouri, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, and there's farms everywhere. This this country is, you know, littered with farms all the way across from one coast to another. People farmed in some way, you know, in most most every place. I mean, there were farms in Maryland where we lived. Yeah, just that's true. You know, basically in our backyard, there were farms um, that I don't know that they were regenerative farms. I don't know what kind of farming they were doing. Um, but, you know, out here, a lot of people farm. There are some statistics on Missouri farming that we found surprising when we started researching it. Um, they kind of do a lot of farming. Yeah, as far as the nation is concerned, we've got uh, Missouri is second in the number of farms, second in hay production, third in the beef cow industry, uh, sixth in turkey, sixth in hog, and ninth in broiler chicken. Yeah, so they make some they make some food here. Yeah, I had no idea though, like about the beef cow right. industry. Yeah, yeah. Coming from Florida, there's a lot of cows in Florida, and everybody knows Texas has got a lot. Yeah. And Oklahoma. Right. But I think Missouri just kind of sits in the middle quietly. Yeah. <laughs> doing their business. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Third, and third in the nation. Making a making a lot of a lot of beef. Uh, a lot of cow calf pair operations here. Yes. Uh not a not a whole lot of regenerative farming. Oh there are a lot, obviously. Some quite famous regenerative farms farmers in Missouri. Um, but just in this this local area right here, there are we, we know that we've seen some people doing some rotational grazing and stuff. Um, so it's becoming more popular across the board. Um, but not everybody does. A lot of people are, you know, do a conventional style. Yeah. Of cattle raising, um, which is totally cool. Uh, how does that fit in? How, you know, how do we fit in to this community doing something just a little bit different? The thing that I've seen is that, um, as I discussed before, people, just because you're doing it differently, they don't necessarily believe that you're doing it wrong. Uh, no, it's the, I, they don't want you to tell them that they're doing it wrong. Yeah. And so they really don't tell you that you're doing it wrong either. Right. You know, like from, from what we've seen, uh, people are interested in the way that we're doing things. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily how they grew up, how they were, were raised doing it. Mm -hmm. And so they're interested in it. They'll talk about it. Um, all of them will offer advice when asked. Yeah, They will talk about how they do it. Yeah. And the fact that they do it differently than you do it is like it. neither of you is trying to persuade the other. Mm -hmm. It's It's really more just like, you're you're talking, you're sharing information, you're sharing experiences without trying to convince a person that they're doing it wrong or you're doing it right. Like it's just right. a different way of doing business. Well, one thing that we have learned in the short two years that we've been here doing this is, you know, we had a we had in mind a set prescription that we were going to do as far as the style of farming that we do and how we were going to do it, how intensive we would do it or or, or not. And we've learned that it, just because a style of farming works in one location, it might not work that way in your location. Yeah. You know, if you're in 
let's say Southeast Georgia, your style of farming may be different than somebody is going to obviously be different than someone who's trying to farm in Colorado where it's a little more arid yeah. or in the Ozarks where it's a lot more rocky and the soil in this particular area is quite rocky and there's some topsoil. I mean, it does grow grass. They do get a lot of rain. You know, most years you get a decent amount, probably over 45 inches of rain a year, which is good for growing grass. Um, but we don't have a whole lot of topsoil. So like these flourishing, you know, grasslands that are in some other areas are not he here right now. Yeah. So the, the, what that meant for us was that over the two years we've been having to learn, uh, what actually works for the land that we're currently on. Yeah. And it's not necessarily what you are watching on YouTube or are reading in the books because those people are doing things that work for the land that they're on. And so, you know, we started in our Ozark experience really wanting to uh, do what was absolutely best for the land and do um, the, our, we set up our rotational grazing uh, program such that it was the best for the pastures right. to regenerate the pastures as quickly as we possibly could. And in so doing, we were pushing the animals a little hard. And so from a, from a condition perspective, so what we've learned over the couple of years that we've been doing this is back off a little bit um, on the pasture regeneration push, focus a little bit more on the animals and the condition, even if that means that that's not the absolute best thing for the pastures. For us, for our farm, we found um, a better balance right now than we had when we first started. I think so, yeah. Um, and, and people here that have lived here for a really long time, ever. You know, I mean, a lot of these families here, you know, fifth, sixth generation, you know, running the farms that they have. And they know about this soil. They know about the grass. They know about the problems, um, whether it be, uh, well, dust or mud concept, you know. Also, parasites, uh, as far as sheep and cows are concerned, and the ones that will bother them or get them down may not have the same problem in other parts of the country. And so to get information from a, from a, you know, from other YouTube uh, sources from particular parts of the country. That's great, but give ourselves grace and understanding that it might not work exactly the same way, exactly where you are on your piece of soil. And to really give yourself time to work with it, and adjust to what is working for the animals and the land, and to listen to the people who know about it. And we've we've really come to appreciate the wisdom of the the local people. Yeah. So a a particular event, we were out of town. We had left the farm for the day, and we had one of our cows. Uh, get down on on one of the hills, got turned the wrong direction, yeah. and was stuck. Yeah, and could not get up. And we were states away. Yeah, and um, we had somebody watching the farm, and we got a, a frantic phone call saying, "We got a cow down and can't get it back up." Right. We immediately called our, our neighbor, neighbor. Mm -hmm. who was on his tractor mowing his fields, and 
first off, he answered the phone, which yeah. was which was awesome because yeah. he was working. Yeah, and um, we sort of frantically asked for help. He mm -hmm. immediately stopped what he was doing, got in his truck, came over, and got the cow turned around, helped get her standing up, waited around, made sure that she was okay. Like, really, it was a wow that. It, it just solidified, I think, for us that that neighborly feel that it's not just it's not just words. It's not just, hey, how you doing? Lip service. It's not lip service. It's actually I will stop what I'm doing that is important to my farm and I will come help yeah. you and, and what's what's needed on your farm. It was it was a really cool, really cool experience for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Mr. Brad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he knows cows and that is a that is a a tool in our toolkit to have somebody who's been, you know, a cattleman for a lot of years just down the road so us being inexperienced can ask and you know, if if we've got questions or uh just need to I don't know run stuff by him. He's always so generous to to listen and help us. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things for us that's been a bit of a, a I don't know I, I don't know that you would call it a, a learning. It's mm -hmm. more of a challenge. It's a challenge. Is that uh, especially being in the military and moving all over the the world for twenty five years, you really have to learn to rely on yourself. Yeah, because um, you're gonna you're most likely going to leave your friends at your last place mm -hmm. and you're going to go to a new place and there might not be anybody. And although they, they try to provide sponsors that, you know, the air force tr tries to provide sponsors and stuff that yeah. will, that will help you get started and settled that all, didn't always work out. And so fairly quickly we learned that you really, really better take care of yourself. You really have to rely on yourself. You better get yourself ready. Yeah. You better, you know, it's a whole lot of us. Yeah. And you better, you need to be independent and yeah, figure this you, thing out. You better be, I mean, we've called ourselves staunchly independent, right? Yeah. I mean, like we, we got to the point where it's, um, no, we don't need a sponsor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. You know? Please just save their time. Yeah. Save their time. We're fine. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but coming here, we really do need the community. Oh yeah. Well, we mean we live so far out, and we'll get to that in another podcast. Being rural and yeah. what that means, but we yeah we do need the community. We got a lot going on here, and having the um, not just the wisdom, but the just the heart, you know, of the people. Yeah, is and for us the ability to say yes mm. when assistance is offered. Yeah, the, our our <laughs> our, uh, our go to uh, answer is going to yeah, be no, nah, we're good. Everything in our yeah. being says, take care of yourself. Mm. And uh, here with what we're doing and with where we are, that's not the answer. No. And so it has, it has been an interesting transition for us, I believe, mm -hmm. to um, say yes. Yeah. For yes. help. Yeah. Help is okay. Can, can I help you? Yes. Yeah. You know, do you, do you need a place to stay? There's a bad storm coming and you don't have a storm shelter. Um, Yes. Now, and in all fairness, like 
you know, the military community is a super tight knit community and we have amazing friends that we have lived all over the world with and around and, you know, better, really, really, really good friends, family friends. And we all take care of each other, you know, and we were able to make those friends pretty early on. And we were fortunate enough that a lot of the bases that we went to, they were there or were going to be there or were there when we got there. And so that was super helpful. And the camaraderie within the, especially within the, the air force is, is, you know, valuable. It's high, you know, but you do just have to be able, you don't always have to, but you have to be able to take care of yourselves when, when, when needed. Um, but I mean, our friends, you know, we're all very, very used to, uh, helping each other out, whatever the thing is so that we're, we're used to that, you know, and we're, we're very, very much giving and, and generous and help and, load people's trailers and do, I mean, it doesn't matter what the call is. We're going to, I mean, we're service minded people. We step up. Um, but, and so do our friends because that's how we all do tight friends, not strangers, because, you know, I think it's important to note that what we're talking about, these are not lifelong friends who we come to each other's rescue. These are relative strangers when all of this sort of happened, you know, storms are coming and we're living in an RV and they're calling to check on us. Right. They don't know us from, they really don't know us Yeah. really at all. Yeah. That was when it made the difference. That's right. You yeah. know, I think that, I think it's important to know that the, we're talking about people that don't know us. Right. You know, um, so that, yeah, just it's super cool and humbling ourselves to receive help when help is really needed. Yeah. You know, and be okay with that. Yeah. So we're, yeah, it's been a challenge, but we're, we're doing, we're doing better at that. <laughs> I think. Nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyways. Um, so life in the Ozarks. Yeah. Life in the Ozarks. Love it. Oh, absolutely. First of all, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful scenery. Yeah. Um, undulating hills, you know, uh, Great roads that kind of wind, motorcycle type roads that are fun. Um, nice people. Weather's good most of the time, or it's temperate enough. Yeah, there are some extremes, but yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say overall, we love it. Yes, we do. We do love it. Absolutely. I think that covers those arcs and yeah. all of our neighbors and oh, yeah. friends and, and, uh, influences that we've had over the past two years and looking forward to many, many more years making new friends currently. We'll talk about more of those, more about those people later, but a lot of like-minded people out here. So Duster Mud podcast, food, freedom, farming. Yeah. Current event for you today is farming. Okay. All right. Farming. Okay. I um, was looking through and found a couple of articles that I found really interesting. So this one was end of July of 2023. It was USDA breaks down farm expenses. Um, as farmers know, production costs were higher in 2022. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Livestock farms saw expenses increase 18.1% in 2022. Feed topped the expenses. I, um, yeah, they didn't even ask us. No, 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 they, but I can't. <laughs> <They didn't. laughs> 
maybe they just checked our bank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they did. Right? Uh, they probably did. <laughs> the average expense for a livestock farm in 2022 was $200,359. Mm. average expense for a livestock farm. So that made me go dig in a little bit more. And I found a USDA 2023 farm sector income forecast uh, from February of 2023. And uh, good news, I'm sure. Well, uh, (laughs) all around if today's negative day. So uh, (laughs) farm sector income is forecast to fall in 2023. Cool. Net farm income is forecast to decrease by 15.9%. Uh, if you adjust that for inflation, the expected decrease is... Uh, A lot. 18.2%. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. yep. Okay. And 22.9% compared with the previous year. So uh, expected... You know, close to a quarter. So we're going to be broke. Of the percent uh, decrease in income. And, you know, that it's not cumulative with the increasing expenses. The increasing expenses are a, a, a part, part of the, of number. the mm-hmm. decrease in net. Yeah. So falling animal and animal product forecasts also for 2023. Mm-hmm. Declining receipts are forecast for... Milk, hogs, broilers, and chicken eggs. <laughs> Every single thing that's outside these do- these walls? No, no. Uh, cattle receipts are forecast to increase. Oh, good. Right. Oh. So <laughs> milk receipts are expected to decrease 14.6%. Hogs mm. are forecast to decline 2.7%. Um, are, ho- are people stop? Did they stop eating? No, no. Uh, Higher prices for cattle and calves, 2.4%. Broilers are expected to fall 7.4%. Chicken egg receipts are forecast to fall 24%. And um, so that's that's where your forecast on your animal production is. But anyone... Okay, so we got into farming... Kind of like people in 07 when they got they were got into construction. Yeah. <laughs> anybody want to anybody want to buy a farm? No. No. Not for sale. It's not for sale. But in animals, eggs. No. So the in in February they expected the expenses were expected to increase by four point one percent from mm. twenty twenty two, but it I looks like. That's more. Yeah. So, well, in 2022, it went up 18.1% over the previous I gotta year. I got to tell y'all right now, I don't even... Another 4%. I don't know how we're going to eat. Uh, when adjusted for inflation, feed expense levels remain high. Fertilizer, lime, soil, conditioner expenses are the second largest category expected to remain high. Uh, interest... Okay. Expenses are forecast to be high. Well, yeah, because everybody's got, you know, the, the majority of the farms, I believe, are leveraged against their land. Right. Uh, their li- assets. Livestock and poultry expenses. So the initial report was uh, that they were up 18%. Uh, yeah, 18.1% over 2022. 
And then livestock and poultry expenses this year are expected to rise another 13.6%. Yeah. So anyway. Hmm. The lights are on the fritz. Yeah. Seems that way. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's, here's, so there's, our, there's our current event. Oh, and I found one back from 2018. And from what I can tell, it has gotten worse since then. But in 2018, average farm debt rises over $1.3 million per farm. Uh, we're not that, y'all. <laughs> no, those are the big guys yeah. out there growing row crops. That's a lot right. of them. I mean, uh, farms with sales less than two hundred or sorry, one hundred thousand dollars had an, a debt to asset ratio of just under three percent. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So the small farms are less burdened with the debt. Yeah. Well, they don't have as much to leverage. They probably own their farm. Yeah. It's typically a generational thing. Oh, okay. They don't have a debt. They don't have a mortgage on the farm. And yeah. so uh, that farm, because uh, farm land uh, prices have increased substantially yeah. lately, that shows as an asset. It has nothing really to do with operating and yeah. operating costs and expenses and income. It just has to do with the assets of which the land is typically the greatest. Okay. But, uh, you know, and I understand, you know, good debt and using other people's money to make money and all that. And I, I, I get that. It's fine. But the, the, the problem to me is going to be the supply and the cost of it once it's out there in the supply. Yeah. That's got, right? What do you mean? Well, if... Expenses are up. Yes. So they're costing more to make. Yep. They should cost more to buy. That it should. Right? Right. You would expect a, a, mm -hmm. a, a price increase of the end product subsequent to the increase. increase. In the Farmers are not making as much money because the expenses are up. What's going to keep them doing it? That's my first question. Why? Why? Why would people stay in it? Yeah. I know they love it, but you know the love of something doesn't carry you far enough. I don't think. Yeah. Whenever you're saddled with not being able to pay your service your debts. Yeah. Um. So they're not making as much. They're not going to if they can't service their debts. That's a problem, obviously. Uh, it's costing more to make it. But the real problem is that people have come to expect cheap and easy food. Yes. And if you're making food at a certain price point, even if it's cheap food, then I think we, the fact that food isn't cheap, and uh, you, yeah, you can't, a... like farmers don't work for free. <laughs> well, here's, here's something to consider. There's there's a wild card that I'll throw in a joker. Okay, Joker's wild. Mm. The dairy margin coverage program is for <laughs> is forecast to make two hundred eighty five million dollars in payments in twenty twenty three, up one hundred twenty two percent from twenty twenty two. 
because of a drop in milk prices. So the government is going to... Oh, so they're going to subsidize it with taxpayer dollars. So you're paying for your milk one way or another. Yes. Or you're paying for someone else's milk one way or the other. Correct. Okay. But not to the small farmer. No, no. No, you've got to be big enough. We're not a dairy. No, that'll just... No, you don't qualify for it. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So don't forget the wild card of government subsidies. Oh, yeah. The big farms... The big farms are too big to fail. So in my opinion, the thing that's going to happen is whenever all of the proverbial poo hits the fan, then the only thing left to do is that they are so big, the government will bail them out. Potentially, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, it's <laughs> we, we looked at this this week. Um, Anybody want to buy some things? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, we, we, no, we just, I love it too it's, much. It's just a it's a, a hard look at it reality. Is. It is. It's the, okay, can we still make a go at this knowing that it's going to cost more to do it and you're going to get less out of it in the end, right? And so it's is a- Is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's a hard look for us. But here's my thing. As, as we're, no, but we sat down this week- and we started looking at every one of the animals. We and did. we said... Well, we're still looking at them, what is it? What does it cost? Yeah. What's your feed cost? What a are, lot. What is your potential uh, income to the farm? Yeah. Each, each enterprise, each animal enterprise. Yeah. Right now, the one thing we know is we are losing money on the, the layer enterprise. Yes. They're, the not, they're not coming close. No. Because... We were just in the grocery store today. A dozen eggs at the grocery store. Oh, are they came down a dollar fifty. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. How'd they get them back down? The there goes that fly. The <laughs> uh, I think after they they killed a bunch of the the chickens earlier in the year. Oh, okay. I think the replacements are back laying again. Oh, okay. Or are now in place and laying. Oh, so anyway, but egg prices down to. A dollar fifty a dozen. Yeah, we're charging four dollars a dozen for our eggs That's because right. they are raised on pasture, fed GMO-free food, and they're they are not coming close to covering the cost of their feed. Nope. So, so we have decisions hard, to make. There, hard look at. You know, we're already almost three times the cost of eggs that you can buy in a grocery yeah, store. Yeah, we can't go any higher. We need to go Here. higher because our feed prices, as we just talked about, our feed prices are higher. Mm-hmm. So we need to go higher on the cost or the price of the eggs. Mm-hmm. But we're already almost three times as high as the grocery store. Yeah. And so it's a at, at some point it becomes from a business perspective, whether or not you like eggs, from a business perspective, it becomes that is a, a money losing perspective. And um, because we're not in the business of losing money, right. that might be an enterprise that gets a, a big, big red X through it in the near future because I don't, I don't see how we pull that one out uh, from, from red to black. Mm, I don't either. Just because no one, like, it, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even sure what we would have to ask. One of the things we need to sit down and and look at is what would it cost for a dozen GMO-free, fed, free-range 
eggs coming from our farm. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, in, in order to dollars a dozen. <laughs> well, it, it might be right, and then at, at that point, and and again, we're sort of. I don't know. We're talking through our finances yeah. on, on on air, but yeah, but fine. like um, we gotta, we need to look at it. Yeah. That's one that I don't, I don't know how much longer it goes. It might be the, you know, um, they get a little bit of GMO free scratch and forage. And oh yeah, and lots fact, of pasture. Go get a worm. Go the fetch fact a worm. That we don't get a whole lot of eggs out of it means that we don't sell a whole lot, but it also doesn't cost us a whole lot. So, you know, it okay. might it might be from a business perspective, the the egg enterprise goes away. Yeah. Um, mm. So th- those are the yeah. types of hard looks that we're doing, you know, um, from a from a farming business perspective with the knowledge that we just talked about of input prices. Okay, going so. Up. Hypothetically, you know, all of the, pr- you know, you're going to price expense people out of farming but it's food people have to eat what what are we going to do are we going to have a food shortage i mean what what are we going to do in this country specifically to make sure that there's enough food good food even for people to eat if the expenses are such that and that's the whole economic problem right now. The expenses are going up. The wages are not going up. So people can't buy the things that they need. I know everyone is struggling at the grocery yeah. store. Everyone is struggling to make ends meet at the grocery store. And I don't know if the yeah, farming... I, if, I don't think that the government, from the government perspective, I don't know that it's changed since their crusades of get bigger, get out as far as farming is concerned. No. So I don't think... From a government perspective, now there are there are some little programs that you can that you can get, but like overall, from a from a big government perspective, I don't think that there's a whole lot of concern for the small farmer. Mm-mm. So, mm. the fact that the small farmer is not going to be able to stay in business, I don't think is a big deal. Right, it's a, it's a small deal. So, the 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 mentality is still we have to take care of the big farms. The The fact so that you the, produce two dozen or three dozen eggs a day well, yeah. really doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've been to layer facilities with 1.2 million birds mm-hmm. that are producing a million eggs a day. Yep. So, you know, we're producing 30 eggs a day. Well, eggs are so, not our business. No, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Let's be Just, fair. No, but you're asking about food and how people are going to get food. It's from the government perspective. But did it, did the did the prices not go up for the for the big people? Or is it only for the little people? No, the the prices went up for everybody. They didn't. Okay. But as we talked about by We'll just subsidize the, them. Exactly. So you had, I guess, in the farming industry, I'll just throw it out there. You'll have public-private partner corporation or partnerships in the farming industry, mm-hmm. and we all know where that leads. Well, some of us know where that leads. I, I don't know. I don't know if that. I mean, if 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 they're subsi- if they're being a lot of the industries are already being subsidized, so it is already a bit of a public-private partnership between the government slash taxpayers and the growers. Yeah. If you stretch it out into the food that's not just corn or soy 
based or sugar based stuff. If you actually break it down into actual edible things, eggs, the dairy industry just did it or the government just did it for the dairy industry. That's actual food that can be consumed by people. Then if they're going to su start subsidizing the big guys that completely pushes out because the middle, even the middle guys can't do anything. Never mind the small guys. The middle guys are going to be pushed completely out, which has been happening for a long time in the dairy industry. No new, no new news there, but across the board, eggs, chicken, beef, turkey, whatever the actual edible food is. So we just subsidize all of the growers across the board and push everybody else out. The government pays them to grow food. The end? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. It would seem. Okay. I'm just trying to, you know, make sure I'm clear on where we're headed in the food industry. I just like to make it clear to everybody where we're headed in the food industry. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be government subsidized food that you're eating. Yeah. You won't have to stand in a line for it. It'll already be subsidized by the taxpayers. You go get it at the grocery store. It's still cheap, but it is a public private. And in case you're not understanding public private, what I'm trying to say is it's, to, it's a socialist business um, relationship. Hmm. <laughs> at least that's my understanding of okay. it. <laughs> and, and I'm opposed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Am I, I, I? No, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, that's the only direction this can go without like major change somewhere along the path. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, again, you, you've mentioned it a, a few times. To me, it, it boils back down to food is expensive to make. Yes, it is. Now good, that's a fact. Good food is really expensive to make. Yes. And it takes a lot of hard work. Yes. And it, as long as there's an artificial sense that food is cheap, then mm. I think the, the scenario that you painted is probably the, the, the future. Well, yeah. If you, couple, if you couple with the artificial sense of food being cheap with a very entitlement-driven society that we have become, that seems the only path. Yeah, I would say the... The, the glimmer of hope for us. Okay, cool. <laughs> I appreciate your turn on that. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Hope. The, the glimmer of hope for us is, I believe there are a growing number of people mm -hmm. who are interested in good food. I agree. And the growing number of people that are interested in good food generally have an understanding that good food is not cheap and it's probably not going to come from the large container stores. Agree. Good food. Right. Uh, those people are looking to their local farmers. Yeah. For good food. Yeah. And I think that's the hope. That's the salvation for the local farmer is that growing number of people mm -hmm. who want good food and understand that it's not cheap. Yeah. And are willing to support a local farmer in order to get that. Yeah. And so I think you're right. Okay. As we yes. as we wrap it up, yeah. From from a 
from a business perspective, understanding that the forecast is dire, we believe that we have a niche in the market. Mm-hmm. And the niche is not, can I provide crap food cheaper than a, no. a large store? Now, for a little guy, a race to the bottom is death. Right. I mean, you end. And so yeah. that's that's not our market. No, our market is not. is not to compete with the with right. the local large no, stores. No, you can't. Our market is niche. Niche. Can we find enough people who are interested in really good food in our local area? In our local area, yeah. that makes it such that we can sustain a business. Yeah, you're right. And from what we've seen over the two whole years we've been doing this, Ooh. is that. I believe the answer is yes. I believe so too. I do. Yeah. People being willing, and we've seen it, because you watch them very carefully decide what they're going to do with their dollar, being willing, like we are, to put a larger percentage of their available funds towards good food over some other want or pleasure. Yes. Putting their food, their grocery budget at the top. Yeah. Rather than at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very humbling and it's very, um, it's very cool to feel humbling is really the word to watch someone part with their money for your product. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it certainly makes you grateful. Yeah. You know, grateful. Yes. And, um, Willing to just keep getting out there and doing it so that you can get good food in their freezer. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a, like a it's a battle. It's a war almost, not, not really a war, but almost. Like, can I, what, can I get this into their freezer? I'm not looking to make millions of dollars. I just want you to have good food. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. And pay the bills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At least the farm bills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll just keep plugging away at it and keep crunching our numbers, and I'm sure more will be shared over time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So what are we going to talk about next week? Next Episode week. six. Episode six. I, I believe we're, we're going to talk about the fact that our beef eats grass. <laughs> That's going to be so, Y'all, it's going to be spectacular. Because our beef, our cows, they eat grass. Right. As opposed to... Other cows that eat grass. Well, you can't give away the whole episode. Oh. <laughs> now we can take Tuesday off. Cows eat grass. That's right. Oh, okay. No, that'll be fun. Yeah. Our cows do eat grass. Yeah, Nothing we'll, else. Yeah, we'll talk yep. through the, the beef aspect of the farm next uh-huh. week. Good. And um, look at look at the cows. What, what are we doing with them? Yeah. You know, look through... Rotational grazing, what's mm-hmm. that doing with them? We talked a little bit about it today. We'll yep. talk more about it next week. Okay. What what you know, what's the difference in what we do and and a cow calf pair? What does that even mean? Right. Yeah. So we'll okay. we'll look all about all about beef next okay. week. Okay. Fun. All right. Well, thank you for listening and watching. And if you've enjoyed it, please make sure that you subscribe, follow, like on your streaming service. Give us a thumbs up and please leave a comment. Please leave a comment. Absolutely. We love the comments coming. I had some really good ones this week and um, look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, Till next week, 
You guys take care. Bye, Bye y'all.